0: Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vierman, here with my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham, and joining us working the dials is intern Erica. Of course, all four of us are not together. We're in different parts uh, different cities different homes as we are all still in isolation guys we're talking about a lot today we're talking about Tiger King uh, finally we promised the listeners last week that we would discuss this documentary because everybody's seen it I finally caught up uh, and but before we get to that and we're gonna do listener questions but before we get to all of that um, we're gonna talk about Drake's new video uh, the to see slide uh, he came out with a song a couple days ago maybe it was yesterday Saturday or Friday night I'm not sure but uh, Mike,
1: you executed the name so well. I, sh- I just wanted to say, oh, thank you. Uh, before we started thank rolling, you so you're like, how do you pronounce it? To- is it Tootsie? Because I thought it was the Tootsie, like a Tootsie roll <laughs> slide. But it's a, you got it, you nailed it.
0: <laughs> yeah, because sometimes you know when you read words, you only read the the first bit of the word and the last bit of the word. But it's like I I was like, is it Tootsie or is it Tootsie? So I'm glad I said it right. Toosie Slide, uh, he shot this video at his like, estate here in Toronto. He released it with the song. There's a dance that goes along with it. Uh, it feels like this thing's gone pretty viral. It's funny because we just spoke uh, on the last episode about artists either putting out new music, holding back music. Uh, but it seems like for Drake, this was a, uh, a huge win. Do you guys like the song? What are your thoughts? Max, you brought it up, so maybe you should start.
1: Uh, it's masterful. I think this is Drake's best work yet. and I'm not being sarcastic whatsoever. You know, he was kind of silent when Corona hit North America because um, he had been hanging out with Kevin Durant and it was pretty quickly revealed that K D had coronavirus and we we're all and there was pictures of the two of them hanging out like three days before that. So people were like, Does Drake have it? Where's Drake? No one's seen or heard from Drake, but whether he had it or not, he hasn't mentioned it. Um and do you do you know the way he he kind of leaked the song before it even dropped on the Friday? Have you been following this?
0: I think you sent the thing to the group, didn't he have who did he have someone do
1: the dance? So there's a guy I think his name's Tusi, uh, <laughs> who's who's like a TikTok dancer from Atlanta, who just started to dance to like a 26 second clip of the song on TikTok. And you can – and it's like, you know, it's not like a highly produced video. It's just like them dancing in their kitchen, these are like really cool-looking dudes from Atlanta. And, um, and you, you, but the, the key lyrics in the song are all there. There's a good lyric about uh, the Rolling Stone uh, reference and a Michael Jackson reference in the chorus hook. Um, And so I remember listening to it for the first time. I was like, holy shit, I love this song immediately. And the fact that everybody is at home just making TikTok videos right now is the best way to put out a song. That's number one, because it's like, he is very aware that all of kind of youth culture and a lot of hip hop culture is living and taking off in TikTok world. So to be able to like name a song after a TikTok dancer with a dance that everybody just knows immediately is so fucking savvy. And like Drake is obviously a cool guy, but he's also a tryhard. And just to think about him going, okay, the next time I put out a song, knowing that every number one hit in pop uh, on the pop charts in America is a TikTok hit, I'm just going to serve up a very easy dance routine that everyone and their grandmother can do. And that's how I'm going to debut the song. And I'm going to name it after a TikTok dancer. And then the <laughs> next part of it, which makes it even more genius, is that how do you make any good-looking piece of content? What are you laughing about, Shane? <laughs> it, it would appear, Max, like you
2: appreciate this more for its marketing prowess than even the song itself. You haven't really mentioned anything about what's good about the song besides how marketable it is.
1: No, no, no. The song is also, also <laughs> awesome. Um, the song is very good. No, no, no. And, and that is the first thing that made me... No, I didn't talk about the song. I said I love the hook, the, Jack, the Michael Jackson lyric, the Mick Jagger reference... Uh, I think the song itself is some of his best work, but I'm just saying it is the most Drake-like move to make the most out of this moment that we're in right okay, now. Okay,
2: but what do you what do you like better about it? The how genius the marketing was, or
1: the song itself? Equal. That's how good this thing is. So fast forward, he says, "I'm dro- I'm dropping the the song on Friday." He drops it with a video. We're in this era right now where there's no good looking content available. Period. Like every late show host that usually has. A beautiful set and 15 writers and all the bells and whistles none of that is happening but who's the only person in the world right now that can have like a world-class looking product in quarantine it's fucking drake it's just an episode of mtv cribs and it's just like his buddy it no it's a one-shot uh, 1917 style and then he does the dance in it and then at the end the biggest flex of all he lights off fireworks in his backyard and like and it's definitely shot in real time and i don't know i just think that he did it he executed it perfectly so (laughs) shouts to drake someone hasn't been watching wrestlemania
0: shane are you a wrestling fan
1: no
2: but uh (laughs) (laughs) got me you might have to beep that okay my 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 friend my friend the nut hooked me up with uh (laughs) with special access to the wwe and he was like, hey, uh, check this out. You might like it. He's like, He actually just said, do you, do you want to see WrestleMania? And I had a, a curiosity about it because he was mm. saying they have no audience right now. So they're doing like one of the biggest events in the world except with nothing. So I wanted to see how a ring match would look just with the wrestlers wrestling to dead silence. And it was hilarious like I'm telling you like I was lapped tears were streaming down my face because intentionally hilarious no no but it's just it's it's so awkward I I, um, I recorded some audio from it just because I thought it was funny because normally the wrestlers are kind of talking to each other but it's it's muffled under the cheers of the fans but with this every little word they said you could hear it's like the equivalent if you watch basketball and a player misses a shot, you could hear like, fuck. It's like you could hear all that shit so clear. And the wrestlers have to talk like twice as much to fill in pauses. And also, they, they usually communicate secretly to each other over the crowd roar about what move they're going to do next. But all that stuff is lost. So it just looks mm. extra fake because you can see them kind of working together all the more. But yeah, I'll I'll just play a little bit just so you can like audibly get the vibe of it. I put it into my habit here,
3: so.
1: Wait,
3: wait, wait,
2: sorry. This is the best part here.
0: You're making this too easy, Kevin. Come on, Kev! One! Come on! Two! Your whole career? I disappointed you! What are your kids gonna think, Kevin? (laughs) (laughs) Fool! This is happening during the
2: match? (laughs) This is the match! So, this is the vibe. Sorry, let me just get this. So, this is the vibe of the entire match, and he starts making fun of his family and his kids. And oh in WWE, I've never noticed this before, but saying bitch is a really popular term. It's like, you fat bitch. And he just calls him a fat a fat okay. bitch. And he's like, you're a bitch. And he's like, you think you're Messiah? You think you're God? Who's God now? And it's just the weirdest dialogue that you never really even actively listen to because it's usually just you're watching the action, but the dialogue's like at least 80% of it now. And then they did something... Apparently, Virgil said they've never done this before, but The Undertaker, I guess, came out of retirement to fight a guy, but they wanted to make it a little bit different, so they had him go to, a, like, a set. Like, it was almost like the set of Pretty little, little Liars if they were at, a like, a graveyard, and they filmed it with, like, film cameras. So normally a wrestling match is done in real time. It's kind of like Saturday Night Live where... It's it's all happening and you, there's that element of danger and tension because you know that there's a chance that one of the performers could screw up. And I think that's kind of a key element that makes it exciting. But in this case, they shot it like a movie. So even though let's just say the match went 10 minutes, which I think it did last about 10 minutes, they shoot it over an eight-hour period and edit it together so they can do a million takes, and their acting performances can be honed. Not that they're good actors at all, because they're not. It was, it was like watching stuntmen try to act. It was like a just a really silly movie, and all the magic that I think excites people for WWE was kind of lost. Although, Birchall told me this was one of the. Most critically acclaimed things they've ever done, which in some ways is just funny in itself. It was just so <laughs> awkward and uncomfortable and fascinating and uh, funny. Like at one time, at one point, The Undertaker is surrounded by six henchmen and he just punches them all in the face and then they all go on, they all fall on the ground. But one minute later, they're, they've just disappeared. Like Power Rangers, where the putties are. Just being disposed of with one punch, and anyway, it, at the end of it, uh, the Undertaker literally buries a guy with dirt, and then rides off in his Harley as explosions go off. Like he, <laughs> apparently, it took eight hours to shoot, and it took the set like three days to clean up. But it was it was amazing. So I'm actually I'm missing it right now because I'm supposed to watch the final match today because it's a two day event. So right after this, I'm rushing up. And there's a guy called the Scottish Psychopath, <laughs> and he's facing off against Brock Lesnar. And I know you'd think I probably wouldn't give a shit, given the fact that I've been making fun of how stupid WrestleMania Night One was, but afterwards I ended up somehow getting sucked into a documentary about this Drew McIntyre guy who they call the Scottish Psychopath, and he's going to be facing off against Brock Lesnar. But they actually did a really good job of getting into Drew's life and <laughs> Bottom line is, I'm hooked now, and I cannot wait to see the matchup tonight on WrestleMania Night Two. So, I guess I'm a wrestling fan now. Oh shit! Oh. Fuck! <laughs>
0: his, his I had a good setup. Collapsed.
2: Here. I thought I did. <laughs> but what I like about it is, it's like, it's like The Bachelor. How it, when you're not into it, you can kind of make fun of how ridiculous it is, and when you are into True. it, you can kind of get sucked into the, the dramatic parts. But anyways, I, I, I gotta thank, uh, I know you often in the past make fun of his weight and everything, but, uh, I gotta
1: say thank you to Birchall for that, uh, (laughs) the access to WWE. Um, you know, speaking of that though, it's interesting to see these shows that are typically filmed in front of an audience, like try to do it. And you know, I'm a big fan of Seth Meyers, and he has that a segment. Uh, are you, What's the segment called? Like, Are You Kidding Me or Really? No, it's called Really. Are,
0: are you? Yeah, Really, Really. Really? With Amy Poehler.
1: With Amy Poehler. And so, yeah, this is actually an interesting thing you're getting at, though, Shane, is that there's a bunch of programs, entertainment out there that is trying to do their show but without an audience, and it's interesting to see what works and what doesn't. And I'm a big fan of Seth Meyers. Uh, but he's doing these monologues uh, specifically, really, which I generally like. And the premise is like, really, you really thought this was a good idea? And he's usually like critiquing some politician or something. Um, but he does it from home. And I just caught a bit of it um, without a, a studio audience, obviously, and it's just not that good. Like it, it's interesting, like how much some of these shows really mm-hmm. rely on the late night laughs. Like, have you guys seen that at all? oh yeah well i've watched
2: i haven't seen that but i've watched sitcoms with where they've taken the laugh track out and it's just so uncomfortable like vibe is such a a real thing Mm -hmm. like vibe matters
1: yeah have you guys been following like any of these shows coming back and like are are any of them doing it for you in an interesting way i haven't been that up to date but anything come to mind uh, I've been wa- I've been watching David Spade talk to the cast of
3: Oh yeah. Tiger King. Yeah, me too. Oh, it's been pretty good.
0: David Spade David Spade just got uh his show didn't get renewed by Comedy Central. Huh.
2: No, he's they're sho- they're shopping it around though and he's keeping it his like online version going for the next however long. So he he's keeping it alive in some sense.
0: Yeah, I guess the th- I read like it was like it's a kind of an interesting way that they're doing it. So I guess they had till June to decide. And then Comedy Central's like, we're not going to air your show, mm-hmm. but we like you so much. We're going to try and help you sell it to like Hulu yeah. or somebody. So I guess they'll That's have to weird. wait and see in June if Comedy Central is able to help him sell it to somebody else, which is kind of a weird place to be for all of his writers. That's
1: like your boyfriend breaking up with you and going like, hey, <laughs> I, like, I don't want to date you, but I'm going to hook you up with my, one of my friends. I still think you're great. Okay, just not for me. Like, I don't want really anything to do with you, but like, I'm gonna
2: hook you up with a good dude. They they must have seen the ratings and been like, these are shit. He's gonna be, It's it'll be amazing if someone else picks him up because he's an easy competitor, right?
0: Totally. Mm, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, Erica, what did you think of Drake?
3: Um... You guys, I really have no opinion on this. Um, I do think it was a genius rollout. And I just, I don't know, I'm not a big Drake fan. But uh, yeah, every, it seems like everyone is on TikTok now. Like even like the, my least suspecting friends I would never think would join TikTok are on TikTok now. Are they
1: just doing dances though? Or like comedy bits, like what, what are they doing?
3: Mostly dances, yeah. And um actually I was talking to my sister today who's sixteen and hers is more like do you guys remember that app Vine? Yeah, of course. Her like her and her friends use it more sorta of like Vine, with yeah, like with comedy bits and that kind of stuff, but my friends have been doing more like dances. Mm. I don't know, it's all over the place. I really still don't understand it.
1: Isn't it weird that dancing is back in vogue now like like all of a sudden every like i mean everybody like has sort of enjoyed dancing i guess to a degree but like dancing was not popular at all really when i was in university or in high school like there's yeah. always the dance kids that were good at it and cared but no one else gave a shit now everybody <laughs> cares about synchronized dancing i don't, I don't that know insane like am i wrong on this Everybody really? wants to dance.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. Have you ever heard of the Jabberwockies, Max? Uh, I feel like dancing well, was of like. Of course,
1: <laughs> I'm saying those are specialized dancers. But okay, right. Erica, when you were in high school, w- did you care about dancing? Like like synchronized dance routines? Ah,
3: uh, yeah, no, no, I, not no? really.
1: Mike and Shane, you did. You got no one. Mm-hmm. In, it wasn't like a collective thing. Like, oh, guys, we got to get together and do a dance. No, I guess just a high school uh, air
2: band was popular. <laughs>
0: Definitely. I, I won my high school air band uh, and uh, we choreographed the shit out of that performance. Um, yeah, it was a real highlight of high school for me. Uh, but yeah, we danced a lot in that one. We leaned into it. Hmm.
1: Hey, I just want to say that my, um, I think my favorite expression of uh, last year is lean in. I like that expression. Oh, okay. I use it all the time now. And I think I might have picked it up from you, Mike, but it's like I just lean into it. Yeah. it. It kind of sums it up pretty good.
0: Yeah. Got to go for it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, All right, let's talk about Tiger King, guys.
0: Wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Shane, you didn't give us your opinion on the Drake video. What did you think of uh, Drake walking around his mansion? What did you think of his mansion? I was very. It it was was interesting that they did a P Diddy poster. I did. I didn't watch the. I didn't watch the whole video. I liked how big
2: his, the island in his kitchen was. I always look at. (laughs) I always. I always think if you have an island, you're doing pretty well.
1: Do do you think that or is that?
2: Uh, yeah, anytime I go into someone's house and they have a, a kitchen island, I'm like, ooh, rich person. So, you know what?
1: Uh, yeah. I, I agree with you, Shane. And I also would add uh, if anybody has nice light fixtures in their basement, I'm like, that person is rich because most people's basements have shitty light fixtures mm-hmm. and no one's thinking about the basement. But if I, I just remember going to my friend, Matt Brookman, uh, whose family's kind of loaded. And I remember going to his <laughs> place as a, when I was in high school and I was just like, I was in their basement. I was like, wow, this basement does not look like my basement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, nice light fixtures in the basement is uh, yeah a signifier. Well, what else did you like or dislike about the video, Shane? I, I only got halfway through. I saw the fireworks, but... Uh...
2: Yeah, it's kind of like, after WrestleMania, nothing. it's like Tiger King, how I was saying other documentaries <laughs> aren't as good after you see... Like, I tried watching the Hillary documentary, I tried, tried watching that, there's one called Crip Camp, but after Tiger King, it's just shit. And WrestleMania has now kind of clouded everything else that's done in isolation now. Because it was actually super high production, uh, when Undertaker rode away, the fireworks were spectacular, and Drake's just had... Like average fireworks, I thought. I guess it was cool that he did it under quarantine, but still. And and the song itself, like if we're talking about that, I think it might be for me at least a grower, one of those like sexy back type songs that in a year it's my favorite song, but right now it's just more of like a good smoking weed listening song, I guess, like a vibey song. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that sure. I honestly think that Drake is the master of the grower song. I can't mm-hmm. like. Maybe Hold On, We're Going Home is like one where when I heard that chorus, I went, oh, yeah, that's like a hit. But so many of his songs to me or maybe back to back as well, but so many of his songs to me. Hotline Bling is probably his most catchy, right? See, to me, I did not get Hotline Bling. And then and then like two weeks later, I was like, oh, my God, that's like an amazing earworm. But off the top, I was like, I don't get what people are talking about with this song. I find that with so many of his songs, Yeah, that
2: might be right. Yeah. Just in hindsight, I'm looking like it was instant. But no, I think it did maybe grow on me. And only I'm thinking, like, it's like, who let the dogs out now?
1: Hmm, interesting. And, uh, yeah. you know, I agree, I agree with you, Mike. I think there's, a, like, there's a bunch of songs, uh, singles of his that came out. And I was like, this is this is it? And then, yeah. as you say, Mike, two, two weeks later, I'm like, oh, this is a fucking banger. The thing which is interesting is that the song came out on Friday. It's Sunday. Um, there's already nurses, like, on their, like... Uh, when they're on their break, are doing the dance in unison. Like, the Raptors, like, everyone is doing the dance. It, all it takes is 48 hours, and everybody and their mother is already doing the dance. Like, this song is, by Wednesday, I can only imagine how, how many other people will have done the dance.
2: Would this song be as popular? Not as popular, obviously it wouldn't be, but I mean, would it be considered a good song if somebody uncool did it?
0: <laughs> um, what do you mean? That's a great question, like, because, 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 like, here's the thing. Like, it's like you give someone like Drake the benefit of the doubt, which allows you to listen to the song so many times that it becomes an earworm. It's like chicken or an egg. Whereas, like, to Shane's point, let's say, like, who would, I don't know, I I don't want to name an artist, but who would be an artist that's not, like, I don't know, do we even think of artists this way anymore? Like, there was a time. No, I know what you're saying, though. Yeah, you know what I he know means, what you're saying.
1: Right? I know, but I, I think I think the production is actually compared to some of the other trap stuff that he's done, which kind of bores me. Mm-hmm. I think there's actually some like really beautiful touches in the production. I think some like the rhyming hooks are really cool. Like uh, it's like Michael Jackson, satisfied. It's like idiosyncratic, and the first time you hear it, your ears perk up in a weird way. And then also like left foot up, right foot or whatever. It's just like it's very well. Already, I like the song better now.
2: Yeah. Okay, if Aaron Carter
1: or like Lance Bass came out with that song, would it be popular? Well, okay, but this is getting to something that I've talked about. I think on the pod already is that I call it the Matt Berninger effect, and Matt Berninger is the singer of the National. The National are one of my favorite bands, Mm -hmm. and anything that guy says sounds uh, like cool, um, like this cool and smart and profound. People describe him as yeah. yeah. Mm Yeah, it's it's like um, but he but I always think of him, like if he could sing a Britney Spears song and I'd be like, Wow, this guy, this is some weird, cool shit. So Oh my loneliness is killing me. And I, I must confess I still believe when I'm not with you I lose my mind. Give me a sign. Like hit me, baby We know the song, my- Max, yeah. No, no, but I'm <laughs> no. I'm going for the full national version. Right, right, right. right. Uh, but I, so I think, I mean, like anything, the context of who the person performing is mm-hmm. is, is like very central. It probably makes up 86% of the listener's idea of, of who the vessel is. Right.
2: Yeah. I just wonder with um, the blindfold test if it's a good song. But when you, I think it when is. you just sang it back, it did seem like a catchy song. It's already like a hit to me
0: now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you you're being serious I am, I am, 100% Shane bringing up Tiger King and how certain things don't live up to anything anymore Such as uh, Wrestlemania I love that you're a wrestling fan now, Shane That That's actually a hilarious Well, Alex
2: to is me. even sucked in way more than me She's like, let's watch every Wrestlemania uh, Since the beginning During this <laughs> quarantine Like, she wants to binge watch one every night
0: uh, Did you, Were you guys wrestling fans when you were kids? I think everyone I, was, I was yeah. into
3: wrestling I was actually Stone Cold Steve Austin this past Halloween Oh no, very fun. <laughs> you were? oh yeah, I was like the whole persona the whole time. I had a bald cap. Yeah, yeah it was cool. Were you I, were I you like
2: shotgunning beers and crushing them on your head?
3: Yeah, I was like smashing them over my head. And then
2: and then oh, Halloween was. He doesn't next really week, get though. a lot of beer in his mouth. Yeah.
3: No, it's mostly like, you know,
2: a shower. For the show. Yeah. yeah. Uh who is your favorite <laughs> wrestler as as a kid, Maxi Boy?
1: I think I like The Undertaker. There there was a period of time, um, probably ages 10 to 12, where my friends and I were all into wrestling. I didn't really care about it before or since, but I just have this one memory of being at baseball camp over at Christy Pitts, and me and my like three or four other shit-disturber friends who kind of like felt like we ran the camp would be running around on the hills, not paying attention to like the other thing we were supposed to be doing, and just in... Uh, all together we'd go, suck it! Oh, suck I love it! that. Like like honestly, saying suck it as a as a child was one of the most exciting, most exhilarating things that a young boy could do. Just like young boys yelling suck it. by the way, I don't think I totally realized what suck it even meant. I don't think I meant. I just knew that it was something that was probably naughty and that just felt amazing <laughs> to say. You had to have known what it meant.
0: Like, 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 Max, I, I guess it, it doesn't only feel amazing to say, I, uh, I to inform you.
2: <laughs> I was obsessed with suck it. And I, am I three years older than you, Max? Four? Uh, three. Yeah. I would just go up to everybody and be like, suck it. And anytime anyone said anything to me, I would just do the X and across my crotch. And then there's the other one without the X. And I just found it so <laughs> funny. And other people did too. Like, if I did it to somebody, they weren't offended they would just get a good laugh every time <laughs> did you go through a socket phase mike
0: uh no, no. who was the hmm. original socket though was it stone cold it wasn't it like two yeah, like it's a tag cold. team that would do it, it? was like was it stone cold? generation I thought
1: it was like... x or something like
2: yeah yeah i don't
0: know
1: yeah hey manager X-Pac? ash is listening yeah. into this by the way and she says this is the second time this conversation has happened on the pod in six months <laughs> <laughs> I've told that story already. Sorry about that, guys.
0: All Um, right. Well, anyway, this is a a good moment to sort of move on to uh, the Tiger King, as Shane is saying that there are just certain... Speaking of
1: suck it, because there's a bit of that kind of content. uh... Exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh, That can't compete with other uh, other content that's out there. People love the Tiger King. I feel like a lot of our listeners have been like, when are you guys going to talk about this? It feels like one of those shows that, or these docs, these Netflix docs that came out at the exact right time. Everybody's at home. Everybody watched it. It's sort of this outrageous seven-part doc. Uh, Where do we want to start, guys? Uh, It seems like everybody was it. Erica, you've watched it. Shane, you've watched it. Max, you've watched it. I just finished it.
1: Mike, I want to ask you because you were the last person to, uh, to watch it. And we were like, Mike, watch the damn show so we can talk about it. There was a lot of hype by the time you got around to it. Uh, give us, because I feel like Mike and Shane, you guys are very uh, analytical people mm-hmm. when it comes to film, documentaries. You guys have a really keen eye for what makes things work, what are potential problems with it. So, I, Mike, I kind of want to start with you. Like, well, what about the thing It makes it so special? What did you like the most? And then also say what, let's start there, and then we'll go into the negatives after if, if there are any. So, Mike, you begin.
0: I, I think that this was an, a super fascinating exercise in... um expectations in going into watching something the idea of hype like I've talked I've used I've talked about this before like you know I remember like uh, there's this movie that came out called War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise that Spielberg directed and leading up to that movie everyone was like that movie is a disaster Tom Cruise has Scientology tense like during production it's messing everything up this movie is a disaster I don't think it was super well reviewed on on Rotten Tomatoes and so I went and saw it one day just because I like sci-fi and because I went in expecting the biggest piece of shit in the world I was like that was really enjoyable On the other end of the spectrum, everybody I know and love and respect, you guys uh, have all been (laughs) saying like, this doc is the greatest doc. It's the craziest. Everyone says, oh, it's so crazy, It's so crazy. So you go in expecting like the most outrageous thing in the world. I think that this doc is amazing for everyone that caught it on that first run where nothing was spoiled. Twitter wasn't talking about Mm. how Joe Exotic is so crazy this. I saw so many tweets out of context where it's like, oh, I see you, Carol. You killed your husband. So when you start hearing like those Mm. things trickle through, like Joe's in some polygamous homosexual marriage, uh, and then then Carol's a a, a husband killer, I'm like, this doc, okay, let's get into it. Then you start getting into it, and it's like... (laughs) With everything sort of like trickled out, spoiled, (laughs) and then everyone saying it was going to blow my mind, it was just adequately like, okay, yeah, these are just kind of like shitty people doing weird things, living their lives. And I guess it is crazy, but it wasn't like, I need to go to the next one. I found myself sort of watching it just so I could talk about it with you guys. So that was my Mm, experience. But again,
2: what about Doc Antle?
0: Doc's interesting. I mean, here's the thing. Maybe all three of them could have had their own documentary, but like I think Doc and his like, I mean, all of them have a cult of personality. That's the whole point is they show how Carol has her followers. Doc basically is running kind of like this interesting very sexualized farm he's kind of like a cult leader <laughs> and then and then joe has like sort of this like these these down and out sort of like misfits of society all work for his zoo and they they all respect joe because it's like he gives them employment etc cetera, etc cetera. uh but doc i found very fascinating like I, said, I could have watched a documentary just on doc were you surprised
2: that doc was such a lady <laughs> yeah.
0: of course but but i but not not like i'm not as surprised as you know you what how many docs have we seen about like cults <laughs> right and then you, yeah. you find out the leader ends up he's sleeping with Everybody,
1: um, I Matt Frukman, um said, oh, uh, "Will uh, Doc Antle is just Will Ferrell going method," and I totally agree. All I could think <laughs> about was Will Ferrell. Um, when I was watching Doc Antle, by the way, his name is Bhagavan, and or Doc Antle, just the names that he's given himself. Actually, between Joe Exotic, Joe Exotic changed his name four different times throughout the thing. He kept on taking like the last name oh, yeah. of his partners, <laughs> and then obviously he changed his name to Exotic. His real last name is this like funny Dutch name that's hard to pronounce. And then Doc Antle, it's like, what are we talking about? Like people, these guys are so much like the star of their own little universe. Um, Uh, Shane, uh, sorry, Mike, back to you though. So that's so interesting. I happened to catch it on like the Sunday night um, of the weekend it came out. And I just had one person say, you got to watch this, it's great. Because the first episode to me was insane. And the second episode just gets crazier. So I was like, I think it just kind of reaffirms this idea the less you know the better about anything oh so not anything well that's uh, no that's honestly
0: what I was thinking as I was watching it was I was like if you don't know anything about this the escalation like the experience of how this doc uh, unravels and reveals itself and escalates episode to episode probably was a lot more fun than me waiting for like I don't know I didn't know what I thought was going to happen but like something so crazy that you couldn't turn away mm-hmm. and if, if anything it just kind of kept meeting where i might have thought it was going to go uh yeah but i imagine for all you guys watching it on the sunday or within that first 48 hours i could be i could i it'd be it's like almost like remember when uh making a murderer came out with uh what's yes. that dude's name who's still in jail mm.
3: and it was like Danica can
0: i you got it Danica and i couldn't stop it was like 10 parts and it was just like you kept going you couldn't not i i imagine that if we had caught tiger king in that first 48 i would have been in the exact same way so i i get it i get it and i think it i think it's good it's just hard to live up to that much hype like everybody's talking about this fucking thing
1: um what do you think um about like just the way it was executed in the storytelling
0: yeah, I mean, well, in, in some ways, I'm like these these docu series are kind of interesting because, like I said, like we end up kind of jumping. around. We, we get three stories really, and then all of a sudden they bring in um, who who's who's the guy that is it Joe? No, Joe Exotic. Who's the guy that basically stole the uh, the the zoo from Joe that came in late oh, and the guy's framed name. him? Was it Jeff? Jeff? Thank you. Yeah. So like so then we kind of get Jeff in this late third act. So it's like we kind of bounce around all over the place. Which is fine, you're kind of into it. It's like a docu series, but in some ways, I'm like, I would rather have saw just a really tight focused doc on Joe Exotic or a doc on Carol and the murder of her husband. And then and then like uh, Shane said, like maybe there's a doc about Doc. Uh, That is actually super interesting, but maybe he's not interesting enough to float his own documentary. So he's kind of a throw in there. He's almost like to add color. And then I guess just to support the idea that these people have their own little universes where they have their sort of followers and they create these sort of like compounds and they employ people that become almost like almost fall under their spell. And that happened for all three of these people, Carol and Doc and Joe. But then, yeah, like the late edition of Jeff and then him sort of swindling. And there was a lot going on, which I think people like. But sometimes for like a doc, I'd almost be like, pick one of these stories and then have a bit of color. But they were kind of all over the place. But again, like the way that people watch docs now are are way different. It's not like you're watching a two-hour documentary on one subject. Like this is almost seven hours, right? So people kind of want to go on that journey. Uh, Shaney, what did you think about the way that they made this?
2: Oh, I I thought it was awesome. And I, I do think they had a main character. I think Joe Exotic was the main character. And you had to include everyone else because everyone else is a part of his life, right? Like, how do you tell Joe's story and not go into Carol's whole story?
0: Jeff and Carol make sense to the story. I just don't know why we went into Doc's story unless it was just trying to show what it was like to be a tiger owner. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really understand how he connected.
2: Well, I think because they're trying to show the juxtaposition and here's how Joe runs his and here's how someone else can run it. And Doc's just so... Fascinating. I think it'd be weird <laughs> if you just had him like if I was watching it and he was just like a talking head, I'd be like, I want to go into this guy's life. I'm so curious to how he runs his zoo. And they just they just everything I wanted to happen happened.
0: I almost wanted more of Doc's story. Like, you know, they had that woman there where she's like, yeah, and then like I, I was thinking about having sex with him and then I had sex with him and he had sex with almost everyone there. And then you have all these women in this cheetah print and all these posters or, or these calendars that he's making. I'm mm-hmm. like, that guy should have his own doc. if he, You know what I mean? It's like it was almost like yeah. he was a throw in to that story to make the seven hours work. But it, but again, like none of it where I, where I was like, you know, keep it moving. I was just like. Yeah, a little bit. Like, why are we going to this guy? What does he have to do with Joe's story other than just sort of saying, "Oh, yeah, I've dealt with Joe, and Joe's a crazy guy, and this is how I run my shit." You
2: know, mm-hmm. but he was kind of an ally. He was an ally to. Uh, he really liked Joe, right?
0: Well, no. they both they both their hate their mutual hate for Carol. I feel like where they felt like she was a phony is <laughs> like they felt like she was very sanctimonious and sort of like no, 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 a big cat rescue, and they're like she's doing the same bullshit that we're doing, and so it's almost yeah. like you know the the. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, or whatever the hell that. that yeah, yeah, is. that's right. <laughs> well, and
2: I think I think Doc's inclusion too is to show that uh, when the tigers get too big, they just get rid
1: of them with, by any means necessary. <laughs> and it, and so just to sh- investigate that. I think it's right for a spin-off though. I think this is like the next thing that should probably happen because you're totally right. The Doc Antle character, I was waiting to come around a little bit because. Carol and Joe get tied up in like at the end with obviously spoiler alert Joe getting sent to <clears throat> sent to jail but you're just waiting for like okay how is Doc going to come back is he going to testify is like is he going to swoop back into the picture and he never really does like Jeff does take over that second half um, but I think, yeah, you're totally right. Jeff could be, uh, sorry, um, Doc Antle could have his own documentary. One thing, um, that I like though, is that for somebody with like a relatively short attention span who doesn't necessarily have the patience to sit through like every little detail about a person, like, you know, whenever I hear about th- wh- who's the documentary documentary maker, uh, who does all like the Vietnam war stuff and like the history of baseball, what's his name? Um, um
0: yeah. Ken Burns. Uh,
1: Ken Burns. Whenever I hear about those documentaries, I'm like, I don't think I could sit through it. What I love so much about Tiger King was that there wasn't an ounce of fat. There wasn't one thing that I go, why, why am I watching this? Why is this okay? I'm a little bored right now. Every person was fascinating. The fact that like the the the, the sort of most sober, clear thinking person was the woman who got her arm torn off. In like
3: the first 10 <laughs> yeah. minutes of the first episode, I was like, this is gonna be and, and crazy. She,
1: and she wraps up the whole show. She goes, yeah. "Listen, all these people are kind of assholes, and none of them actually really care about the Tigers." Yeah. I'm like, this, it, like, every single person w- was um, was sort of like perfectly cast. Also, a thing I've been thinking about a lot lately because um, I watched this uh, documentary called Cheer. Have you guys seen this one? It's on Netflix. Have you ever have you heard about no. this?
3: I've heard about it. Never
1: saw. It. It's really good. It's basically Friday night lights, but for cheerleading. So it takes place at this junior college in Texas and they recruit all these kids from kind of tough situations from across America. And they are the best cheerleading squad in uh in the country and they go compete in the finals at daytona beach so it's all about kind of like building towards daytona anyway great documentary i highly recommend you check it out but one of the things that they do is in talking to the kids they'll go interview them like in their bedrooms and the kids are kind of like sitting on the bed and kind of positioned in a very casual way and i know you guys have, have to do interviews and i know erica you do doc stuff with uh mlsc the positioning of the of the subject when they're getting interviewed and how casually you can make it is something I'm very fascinated by. And in the, in the context of tiger King, the fact that Joe's husband is shirtless all the time with his, and is showing his nipples pierced. I'm just thinking
0: thinking about that.
1: I couldn't, I was like, why is he possibly why didn't he put a shirt on but the fact that he's shirtless this whole time and i'm thinking did the documentary did the documentary guy say oh no shirt off is good we're just going to start rolling like how did that come to be cuz i just thought the the, the setups mm-hmm. were very well executed which i think added I have a theory. 30% to uh, to the to the production go ahead mike
0: uh, my theory about why his shirt was off is you know how the doc ends with that guy getting that tattoo like right above like his like on his Removed, pelvis of so yeah. the bull Mm-hmm. maybe they shot the tat and then he did the interview right after. So like all that interview comes after they do the tat. So you're not going to put your shirt back on after you get the tat. I don't know. Oh, Cause I, I thought about it.
2: I think a guy who gets a tat like that can just be coerced very easily into taking a shirt <laughs> off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just like, Hey, we just want you to be you. They do that thing too. Where they like, where they like mention like one of the effects of meth use is losing your teeth. And then they just mm-hmm. cut to a shot of him smiling, like with yeah. his like sort of, toothless sm- and that but he doesn't have anything to say it's just like little things like that get splashed in and you're just like okay we understand uh you know more than the implication if they're just outright saying it but yeah i don't know why i think shane's right i mean a dude like that's probably just more comfortable taking his shirt off but maybe the doc the, the, the guy making the doc is like just take the shirt off i like i don't know how to do, do you do you slightly well, I've suggest done a lot of it stuff or do you just like
2: that like i would be like okay we want to just catch you in your natural like how you just are at home like we want this to be a very casual interview what how would you be right now if we just walked in you'd probably be like i'd be shirtless making some grits I'd be like okay just take your shirt off and let's just do the interview like it'd be very easy <laughs> i think like i've, I've honestly yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I've done stuff like this before where i've interviewed very weird people and i've just got them to be in a, like This is for JR Digg's show where he was always interviewing weird characters and we would set them up in unique ways that were very easy to get them into.
1: Erica, what, what did you think? Any, any any thoughts in particular about Tiger King?
3: Yeah, I loved it and I saw it sort of in the same window of time that you did, Max, and I thought it was like hilarious and captivating and all this stuff, but I've read a lot about it since and... A mm. lot of characters in it have sort of come out and say, like, they don't agree with what the filmmakers did. They for per- the filmmakers skewed things. And obviously, you hear these things about every documentary. But I don't know, do you guys like, like, what do you think the line is of like exploiting people for like entertainment mm. purposes? And what is kind of okay? And I mean, like, I, I guess at the end of the day, this doc did have like a greater good, which was to like, you know, showcase potential (laughs) animal abuse i guess that's probably what at least what the filmmaker's mindset was but like how much like these poor people a lot of them were like you know impoverished and were sort of trapped especially the ones at gw farm and i don't know i've sort of just been wrestling with that now because now they're all like getting torn apart online i feel kind of bad they don't really have i don't know what do you guys think
1: so I, I think it, it depends on the character. Um, I think Joe Exotic is getting everything he ever hoped for. Yeah. I think Carol is actually portrayed in a pretty fair way. Doc Antle, I don't really have any uh, compassion for. I think he's a hilarious character mm-hmm. and loves being the center of attention. The people who I have a little bit of sympathy for are like the workers on Joe's farm. I yeah, think his his are- like ex his his husband who's no longer his husband. Uh, his new boy, just like those people that feel like, you know, it was very open. Like he basically recruited people who had drug addiction and had no money to work on his farm and then they're in front of the camera. So it's, so that would be the line where I'm like, okay, these people are kind of in no position to, um, you know, to probably make choices that will be yeah. beneficial to the long-term interest um, of their own life. And so that that's the part where I, I feel a little, little funny about it, especially like, like knowing- you, th- you feel like they're going to get hurt by this doc?
3: I don't think get hurt. I just no. think maybe during filming, and uh, I just think maybe they didn't understand what they were signing up for. And maybe even the directors didn't even know that the doc was going to be so big and so successful and like so crazy online. But like- I don't know. I guess I guess if they all... But, like, that one scene at the end where the one zookeeper is, like, clearly wasted or fucked up mm. in his house. Like, that was so sad. I was like, you should not be yeah. filming a person like that. And at the end of the day, even if you do get footage of it, it should not be in your dock. Like, uh, or at least this person should have the opportunity to consent to it being in your dock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah,
1: when people are totally out of it.
3: Yeah.
2: Did you hear yeah, that? that f- I haven't heard any word that that guy uh, didn't appreciate the doc. I've only heard Carol didn't appreciate the doc. Who, who oh, else did really you hear?
3: Well, actually, so his ex-husband, who got the tattoo covered up, was one of the people Dave Spade interviewed. And he seemed very unhappy with the um, filmmakers in the Dave Spade interview. And he said that um, the directors asked him to take his shirt off for that interview part. And he just seemed oh, very... He, he sort of... Has, his life seems like it's really changed since they since the filming he's like with a woman now I, I think it might be like the mother of his child but like i don't know he just seemed not happy about it i don't know it's just i just feel like at this point all the memes and all the jokes are just so invasive of these like poor people i don't
2: know mm-hmm. you know yeah i i, I don't know yeah. I, th- I think his main problem was he they he actually provided them picture of him with his teeth fixed too and they yeah. they kind of really like made everyone was making fun of the fact that that guy only had three teeth when they could have easily shown an updated photo or, or done a little blurb about how he switched his life around. But obviously yeah. they made the choice not to. And I think he was a little hurt by that in hindsight.
0: Yeah. It's always interesting whenever you kind of like have doc, like uh documentaries that, I mean, is this a, true crime documentary i mean i guess joe allegedly was going to hire someone to murder carol though looks like jeff set him up uh and then i mean i guess obviously there's the question of whether carol had killed her husband that's a crime and then there's the animal abuse and none of it really ever gets solved i mean joe obviously is in jail spoiler alert for the next 22 years because they they either you know they bought the 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 the, the murder for hire uh, plot or the sort of like uh in uh, the 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 things that he did on his at his zoo um, but I'm just like I'm always interested in like at what point is a documentary, especially with people who maybe don't have much money or aren't super sort of aware of the construct of how these things work. Is it like exploitative for us yeah. to all to sort of like watch and be like, look at these poor shitty people. And not all of them are shitty, like like a lot of them are just people trying to like work jobs and kind of get caught up in the orbit of like sort of like a narcissist like Joe Exotic or Doc uh, Antle, whatever Carol's thing is what it is. But I, yeah, every time I watch these things, I definitely have those thoughts where I go like, I don't know if these people know what they're getting into. They clearly signed the release. The document, the people that make the documentaries are usually very savvy. There was mm-hmm. actually the character in there that was documenting all of Joe Exotic stuff that was very much like, yeah, you signed this shit. I own all this footage. That kind of almost is an interesting like microcosm mm-hmm. of probably what went on. for But this who, doc who on are Netflix, the poor people which,
2: here? Like we have Joe Exotic who wants to be on camera. Carol, who just didn't want her hypocrisy to be exposed. We have Doc Antle, who's doing very well for himself. He's not a poor person, and he obviously wouldn't like. It's the way like he's the portrayed.
0: people that orbit. Yeah, but those, so like, they, yeah, those yeah, who, were
2: just the talking heads, kind of like talking to camera. And I don't think those people came. But off. like, so
0: like, um, who who was Joe's second husband? Like in the polygamist relationship, the guy that killed himself accidentally. You know, they're interviewing his mom. They've got like the funeral. I mean, again, like, and she's sitting there saying, like, "Oh, Joe." Like watching her talk on camera was difficult to watch for many reasons. She didn't seem well in a lot of ways. They're, they seem like very poor people. So like when you go, well, how does Joe end up in a relationship with two two men that are ostensibly straight, but they're they're sort of get-? it's because Joe's taking care of them. He's paying for their way. And so you're sort of revealing this story. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and I always wonder sometimes like, you know, like for the husband to talk on camera, um, the one that has the bull tattoo and he's missing the teeth he clearly is trying to tell a certain story and then the story will be told maybe very truly by the, the people that are making the documentary and then he watches it and then he doesn't like the way that it's told. But I always wonder when these people get on camera and they they share their story, whether it's the guy that's talking about how he, you know, they were setting up the murder and all that stuff. I always wonder afterward if they're like, like, I just don't understand why people go on documentaries. I really don't. I'll never sort of understand. <laughs> I know, it. Like, right? I really don't. Maybe it's because maybe it's I work in the industry, but I'm just like, I don't trust anybody to like, it's just you're giving away too much sort of power to somebody to sort of craft or create whatever narrative they want to do and it's like for these people you know joe exotic wants to be famous but to erica's point these other people are getting sort of like harassed online or made fun of or there's memes of them and they're sort of like the way that they look because they they look a certain way eh, it's unfortunate but again like everybody's adults and they're all sort of agreeing to go on camera so it is what it is
1: yeah. yeah, you know, I think um, I remember asking Michael Lewis this question. Michael Lewis is one of the best storytellers uh, of you know modern life, and and he he said because I asked him, I was like, do you get people mad at you for for telling their stories? Like so, and he talks a lot about like you know uh, the financial world and the world of economics, and you know he wrote The Blind Side and Moneyball and The Big Short, and he said, oh, every single book I've written, people in the book have been mad at me. Yeah. Like that, that sort of goes with the territory for sure. Um, what I, th- I think the point that I was getting at is that I have more compassion, like for for the, the sort of sad sack drug addled person who like it never knew they're signing up for national fame, and now and and they're just being portrayed as you know somebody who's made a lot of bad decisions and their whole life is out there. That and so that's why I have compassion for when it comes to like some like rich CEO or Wall Street banker being like, yo, bro, Michael Lewis, you made me look like a, a jackass and selfish. I'm like, I don't really care about you really in the same way I care about somebody else. Uh, if we're, if we're comparing the like, kind of two different categories is all.
2: So like cautionary tales, they're not, the juice isn't worth the squeeze because you're hurting those people
1: that are involved in. It. If it's done in a thoughtful way, I, th- I think there's lots of cautionary tale documentaries about people who you know, there's how many documentaries on Netflix right now that are about uh, you know, the opioid a- a- epidemic or, you know, people that are really struggling. Mm-hmm. I think those documentaries are out there and really helpful. Yeah. This one has such but a if comedic they're not sal- but tone.
0: It's salacious. Yeah, it's like it's the yeah. reason people like it is because it's like uh it's it's like um it's like a, a Danny McBride uh, mockumentary more than a documentary and so people yep. find it so so it's almost like we're laughing at it along as a, as opposed to it being sort of like this like this uh, focused sort of look on addiction or cult mentality or why we follow certain leaders yeah. and all that stuff mm-hmm. it's more just like these people are fucking nuts which again like what I mean you can't if it's popular for a reason so we can't really deny what we find entertaining but it is mm-hmm. something that I thought about while watching.
1: Okay, on that note, I want to get to listener questions, uh, because we, we we put out a call asking uh, to do a little mailbag on today's pod, and a few people asked, Do, do and we'll start here, did you think Carol killed her husband?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, clearly that's how, what they want you to think, the way it's portrayed in the doc. I have no idea, man. Apparently they opened the cold case up again, because they've been receiving oh, really? so many tips since the doc came out, yeah.
0: Mike, what do you think? That, speaking of speaking of Carol's husband, there's a guy that could have had his own doc, and I guess that was, I mean, to Shane's point, maybe this is the yeah. this is the value in having the seven episodes, is that I know more about that guy from that one episode that went into Carol's sort of back history and that guy, who was kind of a fascinating weird character who was trying to move everything down to Costa Rica where there's no regulations with the big cats. Like, yeah, there was a lot of really interesting stuff going on in this doc. Uh, do I think she killed her husband? Uh... I mean, if okay, here's here, here, let's put it this way. If I had to bet everything in my bank account on either yes or no, and there was a gun to my head, I would probably, I'd probably bet yes. That's my answer.
2: It's <laughs> a good way
1: to put it, Shane. I think it.
2: I think it's pretty hard to get away with a murder, so I, I would say no. But I would definitely, I, I wouldn't bet on it. It's like how, how would you ever know? How would you ever say confidently? Carol's such. Uh, everything she says sounds suspicious, and when she's happy, it's. <laughs> When she's happy, I don't trust it. When she's laughing, I don't trust it. You know, it's it's. She has a very strange disposition. I don't know. What do you think, Max? I
1: I, I think uh, Mike put it perfectly. I think like it's who knows, but put a gun to my head, like she is. Um, she is a very calculated person. The, the way she sort of presented herself as this sort of like savior of big. Big Cats, when really it seems like, okay, what's the difference between what you're doing and what the other two guys are doing? Like, okay, I don't think anything, as far as I could tell. She doesn't pay her staff anything. So even though Joe is recruiting people and paying them peanuts, she's just getting everyone to volunteer. Like, she, she's super fucking smart, that's for sure. And then also to hear the testimonies of her ex-husband's kids. And, yeah. her, and sure, it's easy enough to hate the ex-wife. I totally get, like, that dynamic. But... There's enough suspicious behavior, like talking to uh, the ex-husband's lawyer or the deceased husband's lawyer and just everyone kind of around that orbit being like, this woman's crazy. And just she definitely, if anybody could pull it off, I'm going to say Carol could. So I'm going <laughs> to say yes. Uh, Erica, what do you think?
3: I mean, yeah, I think if, if she didn't do it, she knows something and she's not. <laughs> yeah. You know, Some, something, or, or. something sneaky's going on there
0: maybe he did maybe he did crash a a self-piloted plane uh in the ocean on the way to uh costa rica that's her theory he
2: was a shady character he seemed very killable like by multiple people and and
0: and that's i i actually agree with like that's why sort of his part of the doc was so interesting it's like guys like that like you know weird stuff happens anyway but they certainly present carol to be a very suspicious person where you can't help but be skewed to think like oh yeah i could see that and then you know you have like uh, – you have an easy uh, means of disposal when you fucking own a, a big cat farm with a bunch of hungry tigers. <laughs>
1: it's, it's, it's truly a testament though to the documentary that so much crazy shit happened that I f- – like between Jeff and Joe and Doc and Carol that I forgot about Carol's husband and what a crazy motherfucker that guy was. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> he like left his wife to marry a 20-year-old. He'd go to Costa Rica to fuck all the women down there. He, he, like, he had all these different business ventures. Like, like there there's, should be a documentary on that guy, and I forgot about yeah. him, right?
2: <laughs> well, they went into another guy who was, like, the gang member who uh, got into, uh, he was, like, smuggling drugs and snakes and his whole oh, story. Yeah. And, like, and he never gets mentioned, but that's a whole documentary, that guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, lo- I love the hitman that was supposed to kill Carol. <laughs> didn't get paid enough and then kind of forgot what happened and turns out he went to South Carolina to get drunk with strippers instead of going to Florida like or something like well he only
2: got paid three grand so he just bailed and took the money to party for a couple days (laughs) and he doesn't remember it though either
1: oh he remembers Uh, come on he's lying though no, Fair enough fair enough. Okay uh, Vera, Veronique Our old friend Who I've seen <gasps> all, uh, hey, For shout walks out. She's, um, she's great We have a similar Walking schedule And I'll run into Veronique. her But I stay six feet Frontline away Frontline worker
3: yeah. Shout out She works at the hospital That's yes,
1: right
0: yes, Big time shout out
1: So this is a This is a good question um, If you each had One million followers What kind of Influencer stuff Would you be partnering with oh. Shampoo Leggings Fab fit Fun boxes <laughs> 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 That's a great question that's
2: such uh, a good
0: question.
1: Uh,
2: Shane, what do you think? Uh, right now, I'm drinking a lot of Coors Edge. I like that. I'm,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. My theory is that you're trying to get this going for yourself every time you have, a, uh, have one on these. Uh, I, these I've, I'm,
2: I'm a contacting them tomorrow, actually. I am, seriously.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Sponsorship. I love it. You should. You should. Yeah. I actually, they uh, they uh, only have 256
1: followers on their Instagram account, so I'm
2: fairly we'll, confident. We'll clip
1: this. And we'll put it up. So so basically the pitch is, look, you need me more than I need you. Send me some free product and give me some money. Is this the pitch? Basically, yeah. That's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> It'll work. It'll work.
1: Uh, Erica, what would you do?
3: Mine would probably be clothing of some sort. Expensive mm. clothing. Louis Vuitton. But are we talking
1: about – No, but are we talking about like classic pod sponsors? Because obviously – any sponsor, it's like, I want a Ferrari deal yeah, or whatever true. the fuck is. But I think there's something. there should be something <gasps> that is a little bit more limited to the pod world. Like I think a beer sponsorship is fair because some, some beer companies do sponsor pods. Uh, so that's fair. Erica, okay, go ahead.
3: I would want Casper mattresses and pillows. That's what I would do. <laughs> I am in the market. One. Those aren't I need cheap. One. No, and they're amazing. And I'm currently now living at my parents' house on an air mattress in my sister's room. So, I, I would love yeah. a Casper mattress. Send send one my way <laughs> if you're
1: listening. Shane, uh, Mike, what do you got?
0: Uh, man, good question. I mean, uh, I mean, I'll go. I'll go. am a simple man. I un- underwear seems to sponsor a lot of podcasts, and I'll take I'll take free mm. sacks. Like those are very expensive yeah. underwear that I don't like buying, but I love wearing because they're like forty dollars a pair. And it's like I'm a simple man. It's like it's very hard to justify spending that kind of money on underwear. But if Saks wanted to send us some free stuff and we did some Saks uh, 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 promos, I would be down.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think I might be in the in the mattress category. I like ha- having having a like a king size bed. I think that would be pretty dope. Uh, I, I, yeah, I've, I've slept in a king size bed a couple times, but um, I'd like one. I also um, Oh, fuck! I had another thought. Um, what are the other big ones? I'm trying to think uh, that oh, uh, that are like classic Dollar
3: Shave Club. That's a big one. Dollar
1: Shave. Oh no! I remember what I was going to say. Uh, I feel like there's meal kits. Oh, send me some food. That's pretty good. Oh, like you good know, food? Like,
0: yeah. Oh, good food would be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I use that yeah. Shit anyway. So they
1: <laughs> yeah they send you the food. So I think that'd be pretty helpful. Okay. Um, okay. Here's another. One. I don't really understand this, but maybe someone here can shed some light on it any thoughts on Dax and Kristen being landlords do you know anything about this yeah they are um they're landlords right
2: now and they gave people a uh, free month for the uh, free rent for the month of april like they own like oh. i think they own two apartment complexes so a lot of people are uh, yeah. against landlords right now and just wondering sure sure like what 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 you think of that like them just being very well off people being landlords giving the free month of April. What's going to happen come May? What do we think of people being landlords in general?
0: Mm. This is a, this is like actually a really hot button issue on the Twitter if you watch it right now because obviously the first of April just passed. We're in a global pandemic that has sort of you know rocked the economy and our way of life, and so many people have lost jobs that people are like, how am I going to pay you know April's rent? How am I going to pay May's rent? And so. It's kind of like an extension of the argument about like sort of the growing um, inequality between people. So if you see the arguments on Twitter, it, there's a lot of like people that have, say, like an income property, right, that they're renting out. And they're saying like, hey, like I have to make my mortgage payments, so you have to pay rent. And then the renting sort of population, which is probably a lot larger than the owning population, are saying like, well, if you can't afford an income property, if things get bad, then maybe sell your damn house. And, you know, it, it feels like a predatory sort of um uh, arrangement anyway in theory. but what's interesting about it is it's kind of like it's like philosophically, like you know why people like save up and they'll buy like a, a rental property say. It's like, okay, this is a long-term investment and I've got a little bit of dough and so I want to do this. Um, but then there's so many people that like have to rent for a million reasons. Maybe they change cities a lot. Maybe they, they don't make enough in order to get the down payment for a house. They're like, this system's fucked.
2: Well, some people choose to rent and are doing better off than their people. hundred percent.
0: There's the whole myriad, like the whole spectrum. Like, like more
2: millennials don't even plan on buying homes. Well, a lot I mean. Like I had to do a lot of this research. But a lot actually.
0: of millennials still complain that the re- the, they complain that they can't afford to buy a home like they can't afford the down payment on a six hundred thousand dollar home these days because the prices of homes have skyrocketed because everybody's buying. Like basically they're saying like the system's game where their parents could right. buy a home for a certain price no. and they can't get in now, you know, so there seems to be an anger there.
2: But then if nobody owned the the places, they'd have nowhere to rent from and they'd have nowhere to live. Right.
0: So, so philosophically, they would be able to afford a house if all of these people weren't buying up houses for as rental properties. Because mm-hmm. basically, if everybody's buying properties, then it, it skyrockets the price. Meaning, like younger people can't get in at a lower income. So, if we if people didn't own these homes, then they might be able to get in theoretically and buy a home for a reasonable price. So, it's more about like the the the, the rising of inflation, the cost of homes, and just like the the construct in general that that people are angry at, and then now it's kind of affecting people. And the thing is, they probably shouldn't. I mean. It's like you can get angry at like the pe- the couple that owns a rental uh, in- an income property, but really it's more about the companies that are incorporated that like won't give you a break on the rent. I don't know, it, it's re- it's well, a tough it's the, discussion the bank, it's like, like
2: as someone who owns a rental property, like the bank is my landlord, right? So I'm not one of these people yeah. who uh, who owns a uh property and is very well off. In fact, I'm house poor because of it. So I made an investment and I took a bit of a risk, you know, because people think buying a house is a guaranteed, you know, you're going to make your money back. But then the housing market crashes and all those people renting are very glad they didn't buy a house. What was the question that we were talking about again, though? Like, what well, because you-
0: Dax and, and Kristen, they mm. they, gave, they gave rent relief to everyone in their mm. apartment complexes because they, their sure, source sure. of income is acting. They're wealthy people. They can well, afford to do that. How did that come out, renters. by the way?
1: Well, well,
2: well, how did, was that a news Well, I, they I, th- I think they podcast? tried to release it as like a, a, an act of goodwill to kind of mm. promote it, other people doing it. And then it, it kind of backfired because people were like, whoa, you're predatory landlords or something. Like they own two apartment <laughs> complexes. So yeah, there is, like, like Mike is saying, there's a big backlash against it. But my advice is that the bank should just do a mortgage freeze. And then if I don't have to pay my mortgage for the person who's not paying their rent on my income property, then I can mm-hmm. say, don't bother paying your rent. You know, because because, mm. yeah, I, I anytime I see someone posting on Facebook like, oh, everyone renting from someone, let's do a strike. It's it's always uh, the presumption is they're going against the man and I'm not the man. I'm just the guy who <laughs> thought it was a wise investment.
1: Yeah, I have actually um, my, my guy, Mike Pesca who does the gist from Slate Magazine every single day. He did podcast last week on this movement about cancel rent, hashtag cancel rent, and he he thinks it's like a little foolish and a little more complicated than people think right now. But I think an interesting thing that Dax is getting at, uh, which was actually displayed in a New York Times article, basically there's like an Italian dude, 57-year-old guy. He used to work in like an auto body shop. Back in the 80s, he bought a couple apartment buildings in New York. He has, like, 300 tenants. And he's basically said to everybody, uh, don't worry about rent this month. So it it was a real act of kindness, and he's being applauded for it. And I think um, we're obviously in extraordinary times right now. And if you're in a position to be generous, you should just be generous. It's Mm -hmm. kind of, like, that simple. I think when it comes to, like, When it comes to capitalism as we know it, I mean, it's always it's always been unfair, right? Like, I think we're probably at maybe one of the most fairest points in human history if we were to look back, you know, of the course of human history. Um, So, I do think that it's funny that Dax is being uh, Dax and Kristen are being ridiculed for it because I because I I think it's like they're probably just trying to lead the way in saying in a very gentle way hey if anybody else can afford to not take your tenants rent this month don't do it and if you Mm -hmm. and if you can't afford it then you'll obviously have to work something out with your tenants and it's a complicated thing um but uh but i I have no problem with with people sort of publicizing that if it's going to encourage other good behavior in this in this funny time Mm -hmm. all Um, by the way, uh, Michaela, I think is her name, Michaela McPherson. She, she, uh, sent in like six really good questions and I'm going to go to it because she had, yeah. Um, I'll read a couple of them. Um, prediction time. How do you think COVID will impact the U S election campaign and outcome? Isn't it funny that nobody is talking really about the, the election right now. And like, you know, we were in the midst of the democratic primary. No one's talking about it now. It's like everyone sort of assumes Biden is going to be the the Democratic nominee. But yeah, do you think uh, predi- prediction time? What do you think is going to happen come November?
0: I, uh, my bold prediction is they're going to push. I don't think there's going to be an election in November. I think that uh, they're going to say we're still sorting this all out and we're going to roll it over. I, and, and Trump, I mean, he's Trump's been his one thing is that he's been unconventional. He doesn't really give a shit what people think or what's not sort of like um constitutional. He just sort of does what he thinks is right. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he says, listen, like we're living in unprecedented times. We can't hold the lecture right now. We don't even know if it's safe for people to go out and vote in person. I, I don't know. So like my my bet would be that they're going to try and push it, uh, which would be in radical and unprecedented. But that's my prediction.
3: I agree. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Do you think like how freaky do you think that would be if that happened? Would that really freak you out? Or do, do you think it would be kind of like understood given everything?
0: depends on the state of the world if people are still sort of dying in large numbers and people are scared and and that the and you know COVID 19 is still spreading um i i don't know like people yeah like it's it's hard to predict anything in the near future but, any uh, other
1: president though i would be totally fine with pushing if like and i think most people would be like okay whatever bush is in charge. okay push it to january like you just kind of trust them just trump is just like so unpredictable which is why it gives me uh, the creeps a little bit mm-hmm. just thinking about because everybody was already assuming he would try to rig the election or if he lost, he wouldn't leave like that was already in people's minds. And now that this thing has hit us, it's like, Oh, it's like ripe for him to try to pull a fast one, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um,
2: what do you
0: think, Shaney?
1: Yeah. I think it'd be hard to get people out to the polls right now. Like how do
2: you do that safely?
1: Okay. Switching gears here. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Shane, Shane, I don't know if you you, you, know, you saw the new bachelorette uh, contestant, uh, Claire. Mike has already checked out here, by the <laughs> yeah. way. Uh, I'm looking at and my phone. Yeah. <laughs> she's older, right? She's like 38, right? Which is like uh, a response. Yeah. It's a response to some of the younger bachelorettes and bachelors that have been on the show because people criticize it for being too young. What's interesting about this is that they announced two contestants. One is from Hamilton. Sorry, of two, uh, two of the contestants, you know there's 30 dudes two are canadian one is from hamilton do you do you guys know the hamilton guy by any chance no i was asking alex because he's i think he's 29
2: oh. but alex didn't know who he was okay but he doesn't look like anything special i'm not saying he's not hot but he's not he doesn't have that certain je ne sais quoi sure the that ob- i would exp- like he's, he doesn't seem like of the pedigree of like upper echelon male bachelor contestants
1: like tyler c for instance so, so the other dude is – I saw his picture, and I saw his name. He's was like Mike. I was like, holy shit, I know that guy. And I was like – and I've seen him sort of recently, and I remembered. I was like, oh, I hung out with him at the Olympics in Korea, and then I saw him at Bud stage, and we, I, I've been following him on Instagram since Korea. Hmm. So I was like, oh, this is so interesting. And I didn't want to bug him when, I, when the th- news first came out because, I don't know, he's probably had a million people texting him. But then two nights ago – I, I got um an invite to say, add me to house party. What's house party?
3: Oh, I it's don't. it's kind of like Max. Zoom. But it's, okay. uh, but you, yeah, you, you, it's same thing. You just need a link and then you can join like a video chat with people.
0: Okay. The champagne boys, like once a week have been doing like a get together, have beers on house party. And you two, Shane and Max are the only two who do not show up. I, I got to say.
1: Is
2: it, is, is it good, Mike? I can't imagine. I just it think being... it'd be annoying. Yeah.
0: I don't think it's a great – I mean, so you can only have eight in a group at a time. So if you have like 15 mm. Champagne Boys, there's kind of two groups going on. Uh, mm. Eight eight can work, but yeah, you all got to kind of wait your turn. I, I think four is like ideal. A uh, quick shout mm. out to uh, our, our good friend Mark Myers and our good friend Chris Wong. We actually did a, a call, which other work – Shani and uh, Jonathan Poplis were invited to, but they were busy uh, – where we got on like last Wednesday – And it was the first time in this full like month of quarantine where I actually got drunk. I got, I drank like a half a Magnum of wine, just chatting with those guys. We were talking for like two and a half hours, three man, (sighs) like conversation. We were just talking about like the state of our industry, where the future might go, like laughs, concerns. And it was just like a really good, it felt like we were at the pub and yeah, it was just really nice to get drunk and like sort of shoot the shit with, you know, guys that do the same work that we, we do. And, uh, I know, have families they got young kids but anyway so shout out to mark and chris back to the bachelor sorry to derail guys i'll go back okay, to okay to the
1: no part. that's good okay so now i know what house party is and then i didn't respond to it because i thought it was a mistake and then he says, and then he responded a couple hours later oh not sure how i sent this to you with the i don't know face and i was like no problem more importantly are you on the bachelor or bachelorette <laughs> And then he said, uh, he's like, ha I'm pretty wild. My friend nominated me last fall. And when they called asking me to apply, I figured, why not? They postponed production, day of limos. So they were about to start the show when it all got postponed. So hopefully they'll they'll have me back whenever I can go back to production, Uh, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, I was like, "I, I love The Bachelor. And he said, I've been watching the show since the beginning. So the pop culture lover in me finds the whole thing really fun. Judged everyone on the show, so it's a good lesson to say "fuck it" and be myself, and and I don't care what Bachelor Nation says. And if Claire picks me, you have to write a song. And I was thinking, what if our Kells are the band <gasps> on their date? Oh, that awesome. would be very exciting. Whoa. Um. Yeah, and then uh, so who knows? So anyway, I'm rooting for Mike, and I hope uh, he's able to uh, to get Quick out question. of uh, quarantine.
0: Uh, for Max yeah. and Shane, I. Uh, are you guys slightly jealous that a Hamiltonian got on The Bachelor? Like ahead, like do you guys? Wouldn't you love to go on that show?
1: I'd be very bad. I, I have no interest in going. But Shane, you think you'd be really good at it, right?
2: Yeah, but they wouldn't have me just because they don't like people who are ironic and in on jokes. Like they try to get people who are totally devoid of any real sense of humor.
1: <laughs> hey, okay. Last question for me, and then I want to send it over to Shane. Shane, I saw on your Instagram. Uh, Speaking of The Bachelor, uh, you were having a This Family Tree conversation with Alex, and she was very (laughs) upset about you and your affection for Maddie. And then you said pregnancy moods, mood swings are real. But but Alex is also the most competitive person I've ever met. Do you think she'd actually react any differently if she wasn't pregnant? No, she'll always react that
2: way. I was just giving her a bullshit. (laughs) I was just giving her a bullshit out, man. Like, anytime. Like, she gets... She gets jealous (laughs) of TV. It's so uncomfortable to watch um, The Bachelor with her. The Bachelorette is way easier because it's me just saying all the same shit, but I'm talking about like hot guys or who my favorite dude is or who has the best body. But if you apply it to women, then all of a sudden it's, she doesn't like it at all. She won't talk to me for a night. Like there'll actually be like huge, (laughs) huge problems in our relationship from watching that show. But sometimes I can't, Uh, help it because she'll ask me she's like oh because madison's so beautiful right you just can't contain yourself (laughs) well it wasn't even that i even told her i said listen maddie's face isn't as good as uh hannah ann's but maddie has a charm a charm to her right and i i honestly (laughs) like So I was just explaining it out like, oh, I liked her charm and, uh, you know, and she's good at basketball and I would like to play one on one with her. And then, you know, it just I kept going down this rabbit hole and she's like, oh, you see, you just want to play one on one with her because you love basketball. And and I was like, actually, yeah, it it is true, but it, it sounds like I'm trying to, like, grind up on her or something. And like, you know, anyway, it got very, very emotional. And like that whole episode of the podcast. Alex cried and it was just me digging deeper, I guess. But then I I turned the tables on her and I said, "Okay," because what what started the real making her upset was (laughs) she listened into our podcast. She went upstairs. She was in a huff. She kept it quiet all night. And then the next morning she said, who do you think has a prettier face, me or Maddie? And I... (laughs) And I guess I I guess I paused too long or something and then she's like you didn't even answer and then she like started bawling and I was like, I did answer, you have a better face than Maddie. And I was like, and if you didn't have that belly, because she's pregnant, I was like, you'd, you would have a better <laughs> belly area. And then she hate, she hated that. And then I, I went on about how looks don't even matter. Like, I was just like, honestly, what I like about Maddie is her charm. And this is, honestly, what I like about Alex is her charm. Point is, I turned the tables on Alex and I said, who has a better face, me or Tyler C.? <laughs> And then she's like, oh, Tyler has a a bad face. He has a busted face. And then she tries to over- That's not true. Oh, of course it's not true, Max. Everyone knows that. (laughs) Spoiler. The biggest spoiler in Michael Munch history. (laughs) Shane's not hotter than Tyler C. Whoa. (laughs)